Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I have with me, I think, the most returning guest on the show from the Deep Purple Podcast here making me do another album I had never listened to. We have John Matola. John, how are you? Hey, that's me. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing I'm great, man. Thanks so much for coming back. Oh, thanks for having me back. As always, I love coming on the show and having an hour discussion before we even hit record. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it has been just about an hour or, or oh yeah, a little over. Yeah. Uh, well, we had a lot to catch up on. There's been holidays and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I love that you challenged me with a couple albums, the, the Kiss album, the last time and this album. Uh, I, I know a little bit more about Poison than I do Kiss, but I'd never listened to this album. So I'm looking forward uh, to hmm. getting into it. But first, how were your holidays? They were great. Yeah, I spent them uh, uh, spent them with family. Um, had to work, of course, but um, after several years of doing the same job, it's kind of like muscle memory by now. So it wasn't wasn't too bad, wasn't too stressful all around, and it's always great to see the family. We had a great get together this year, and um, yeah. So how about uh, how about you? It was good. Thanks. Uh, had a friend surprise me uh, the day before Christmas Eve and said, uh, "Do you want to have dinner?" And I said, yeah, how? This is why I'm going to be in town. So we we went out to dinner on Christmas Eve, and then I did my annual uh, walk down the strip early Christmas morning. But I skipped the breakfast because I had gone out to dinner the night before and uh, saw a UFO. And um, then I came home, went to a friend's party for a little bit, and uh, just chilled and started working on uh, mixing the new album. So it was, a, it was a good day. Sounds great. Yeah. A little unexpected, but... Uh, Nice, nice, peaceful walk down the strip and uh, good times. Good times. So tell me about your history with Poison. Not not like Poison, but Poison the band, because <laughs> you're still here. Yeah, no, I don't have a history with Poison the, the drug, um, or you'd be talking to the ghost, John the Ghost uh, from uh, the Deep Purple uh, Christmas episode. Or <laughs> That's right. Um, but... Um, yeah, so so Poison was um, probably, I would say, one of the first bands that I was ever into because um, I started to get into music around, um, you know, uh, 88, um, which is when this album is from, like 87, 88. I would say I started to get like really into rock bands. Um, and I mean, I grew up in a pretty, uh, you know, conservative town in my state. So uh, it was just you know, it wasn't like living in like a, you know, uh, Providence or even Boston or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> so, um, you know, I just had MTV and, um, and, um, this was, uh, Poison was one of the first bands that came on, um, that I saw. They had the, the concept video for nothing but a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I can't remember if that was the first way I saw them or they, they came to my attention somehow. I either was, could have been a friend at school, could have been MTV, but somehow this music came into my view and they were one of the first bands that I got into because it's pretty well established that I like theatrical rock. And I mean, these guys at the time were, even though it was kind of the, the mid to tail end of the whole glam thing, cause this is now late eighties, mm-hmm. um, they still had teased hair and lipstick and especially poison were like the party band. So, uh, in that video, they had the, the, the bombs going off and, and basically everything that kiss did, which I had discovered later. Um, I wasn't into kiss yet. Oh, so, um, um, so all of the theatrics and like the, the confetti and the, the party time 
stuff and their the the looks and their their flashy guitars like the cc deville's bc rich it was just like i was like mesmerized i'm just like wow this is all stuff i'd never seen before it was just so glitzy and flashy and wasn't it wasn't so it I like wanted, a, a neon green or something if i remember right i think so he i think so he had like um i just knew he had the bc rich so even mm-hmm. if it was just plain it's a really it was a really flashy looking guitar yeah but um but that was um so i picked up this album first and then i think look what the look what the cat dragged in second so i kind of did it backwards but this was the album that had come out and it was the um at that time and it was the first one that i had gotten with my my allowance or my own money mm-hmm. and um you know this has the the famous album cover which was later censored because if you'd seen it as they I guess it was the 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 snake or the demon chick with the big hair and the the long tongue, mm-hmm. and um, I had gotten the cassette version of that long tongue one, and then realized like years later that they just censored it to put the bars just to be the eyes. So I had gotten right. one of the first, I guess, pressings of the uncensored cover. This cover before was censored, but that was just um, in America, though, right? Did they did they have a problem with it in Europe? I, you know what? I don't know. Cause that seems um, to be the thing. Like, uh, even Uriah Heep had a couple album covers where like, oh, you, you can't show this demon. And so they put a tank and, and a military soldier on, you know, I'm like, oh, that's so much nicer. Yeah. Um, but, but poison was my first, um, really, uh, introduction to, uh, I, I guess you could say theatrical rock and rock music like them and a couple of other bands. Uh, but this time I was into, you know, getting into Ozzy too, and that was bringing me down that road. But this was really one of the one of the first bands that I really um, got into and loved, mm-hmm. and um, kind of honed in on. So, right, it, and it's interesting to think of the time frame because uh, what eighty eight would have been what House of Blue Light for Deep Purple, I think, was eighty seven. Yeah, you know, and so you know they they had already gone that far, and Poison's just starting up, and it's so weird to think about the time frame for things. You know, I like my perception is so off. I remember seeing Poison, and I think it might have been the video for Nothing But a Good Time, and mm-hmm. I immediately dismissed them. I'm like, I wasn't into like the party songs very much, so uh, for me, I was already heavily into Deep Purple and Rainbow, and uh, you know, uh, bands like that, Zeppelin. And so I, I see these guys coming on, like I see all the the makeup and and everything, and I'm just like, okay, so I get I get the big hair thing, but this is where I actually started to feel the beginning of a generational gap for me. Like I don't understand the fashion of this, I don't understand the makeup. I remember seeing, uh, I think it was Welcome to the Jungle, and Axl Rose, you know, from Guns N' Roses, he already had the makeup on and the teased hair and a little crimp spot and all that. And um, I just immediately dismissed Poison. I'm just like, yeah, fuck these guys. And and uh, like Pretty Boy Floyd, I remember was another mm-hmm. band that that uh, at the same time. And I'm just like, I do not like where music is going. And I and, and at that time, it was like the tail end of me even watching MTV because I just didn't mm-hmm. like. For me, it was like the British New Wave Invasion was the end of me getting in and out of MTV. After yeah. that, I started to go. I've got my bands that I like. And that's kind of it. I, I just started to pigeonhole myself a little bit. <clears throat> and I regret it now because Poison's got some good music. And we'll get into the individual songs. But I really started to gain a, an appreciation for them watching Brett Michaels on The Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Because he's not the the big hair makeup guy. 
he's he's a party rock and roll cliche in a lot of ways. Yeah. But he is damn intelligent, damn creative. I'm like, if I if I could hire, like if budget wasn't an issue and I could hire anybody to do marketing for me, it would be it would be either Gene Simmons or Brett Michaels. And I would probably go <laughs> with Brett Michaels because I just wouldn't want to deal with Gene Simmons. <laughs> See, and that's the thing with some of these guys is like everybody would always um, I I think like a lot of like parents or older generation would dismiss these guys or even we would have that uh, that um, um, inclination to to dismiss them. But if you think of um, like from that era, you you mentioned Gene, Brett Michaels, Nikki Six, right? These guys all behind these bands that everybody just looks at the image or they hear the, maybe the crazy names that they came up with themselves. And they're just like, yeah, these guys are a joke, but it's like, yeah, but I mean, somebody has got to be the brains behind this. And I mean, yeah, they hire people for it, but I mean, they're the ones that are, you know, have attached themselves to, um, um, you know, to the, to the projects or, or kept it, uh, going for so long. Blackie lawless from wasp is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've ever, heard him uh talk throughout the years i mean he's definitely the brains behind that i mean success however successful they were or not i mean different you know varying um levels of success but i mean i feel like a lot of these bands um i mean they knew i mean i've said it a lot of times before is 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 like um uh, a lot of that stuff drew me in like when i got into motley Crue, like i mean the the early image of the the pentagrams and the fire and like that whole uh kind of road warrior thing that they had a, a shout at the devil that really drew me in because i mean how do you draw in a bunch of kids to listen to your music through your images and uh, you know do something that your parents are going to hate and yeah. they they knew that and all the people that they had surrounding them knew that and mm-hmm. it was it was like and it worked <laughs> oh, know, absolutely. to this day it I, still does work i guess for for kiss i kind of looked at them the same way that i looked at alice cooper it was a mm-hmm. whole image and when it got to the glam, I just didn't see it the same way. I felt it was like people trying too hard to express themselves, trying to draw in a a certain group of people as opposed to it just being a, here's who we are. It, I guess it just didn't feel as, it's weird to say natural because neither Alice Cooper nor Kiss would be a natural thing. But I guess I just accepted that more. And for some reason, the glam thing, I just really rejected. It just seemed really silly to me. Well, I think the 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 glam thing, depending on who it was, what you know, there there were levels of how genuine it was, right? Because yeah. like at that point, we're talking like the late '80s. Some of those bands that came out, like uh, I, I don't know a lot about Pretty Boy Floyd, but maybe like uh, lesser bands or say Poison Clones or Motley Crue Clones, so to speak. Um, who started doing the teased up hair and the makeup? Like, which ones of it were really genuine? Which ones were kind of manufactured? Um, that they, they were making people do it, like like the uh, like the Vinnie Vincent invasion, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that was glam to like the the thousandth degree. If you've ever seen any pictures of them, it's just like Jesus. Let's like, yeah, you know, right. this doesn't even look real. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely like planned out. Whereas I would say, like in the early days, like I, I probably missed that by like I don't know, say like five years, because around eighty eight, I was like. Uh, like at 12. So, mm-hmm. you know, I missed that whole early 80s thing. I was too young to really get into music yeah. um, or that that kind of music or whatever. But I just feel like, you know, a lot of those movements start out as being really 
raw and and honest and coming from like this this place of like experimentation or they you know like when they teased up their hair and put on the makeup and all these crazy clothes it was i i think that it started out these bands or a segment of these bands it being an extension of the the music and the times and everything and then by the time just like everything else you get to a, a certain point where it's popular they just like crank cranked out all these clones of bands or even the bands themselves like poison had definitely glammed down a little bit by 88 and then yeah. by you know the early 90s they were just you know jeans and t-shirts and you know just like everybody else well and i so, think that was the other thing too is it it felt very gimmicky so if you again compare yeah. to alice cooper his his makeup yes but he also sings songs that are all in relation it's all dark stuff it's all you know, murder and and death and, you know, uh, fucking corpses and that kind of thing. Whereas Poison had a look and then they had music and the two didn't really pair up because there was nothing in the world that that visual statement made that matched up with actions. You know, they couldn't write songs about, we're going to go makeup shopping at the mall. Yeah, and, But what else could they sing that would relate to what their look was? Kiss is well, kind of somewhere in the middle where they sang about hmm. a lot of dark stuff, but they were also a lot of, you know, party every day and, and you know, songs about just having a good time. So they were kind of in the middle of it, but I, I couldn't, I guess I couldn't relate them to their music. I mean, if we're talking about Poison, like specifically, I, I definitely related it to that. At least I did because I, I kind of paired up or in my mind, the glam image went with the the uh the party band and i mean poison did have a lot of um like party songs Mm -hmm. and i mean uh and and in those albums like or in this album you'll see is you have uh the songs about uh partying and and banging chicks and you know whatever and then you have uh you know the the sweet love ballad Mm -hmm. um which is still kind of lumped in with that whole thing so it's like uh to me the 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 image and that the music were synonymous for poison because they did write about those themes of what they you know they were probably just guessing like early mid-20s around this time anyways and so they wrote about what they know what do you know when you're living in uh moved to la and you're young and you're a party band party right. stuff so right you know yeah. it's um so um so for me it worked like i got it i mean i don't know like i said some of these other bands that were um you know really uh, kind of a more of a manufactured glam what their themes and songs were about but it's like um i would guess that um you know at that point they were probably manufactured like oh you guys have to have, to have your party song and then you have to have yeah. your ballad and then it mm-hmm. became kind of uh, a little more disingenuous whereas like um at this point i think poison was still you know in that zone because they'd only had their first album this was their second album right yeah um so it was still kind of raw it didn't get to that point yet where it was o- overdone or they they were kind of seeming uh disingenuous about what they were singing about um or or any of the themes that they were trying to put forth so but it also feels too like they had the intelligence and and this is obviously in part the record company because the record company is not going to allow this to happen unless they think that it, there's going to be something good coming out of it. But it's like, I, I, I look at Madonna and go, I don't really think she was necessarily the person that she portrayed herself to be in the beginning. It was, this is how I'm going to make it. Once I'm solidified in the business, then I can start doing it the way I want to. But here's how I'm going to cut through all the competition, get on top and make my mark. 
mm-hmm. and then the makeup comes off, the sluttiness goes away, the party vibe kind of calms down a little bit, and then they start making serious music. You know, not that this isn't serious for what they were doing, but they start going, okay, here's the band that made us where we got, you know, to be able to do what we want. Now let's write the songs we want to write. Right. And I mean, um, look at, um, uh, um, as soon as you said that, a perfect example, that is um, Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, she was like, even back then, even when she first came out, I was like, I know what she's doing. And I think it's, I think it was brilliant because I mean, by all accounts, she was way more talented than the the stuff that she put out. But you figure that with the, the crazy shit that she was doing, like the meat dress and all this other stuff and arriving to the Grammys at like in an egg or something like that. <laughs> and, right. Um, it was like, okay, like that's pretty wild, but she's also doing these pop songs and the pop songs were like really good and catchy and everything. But then you were like, wow, she can, that she's doing these specials with like Tony Bennett and stuff. And you're like, geez, she really has like way more talent than like, she only showed you like a fraction of it. But I always thought like, she's doing all this crazy stuff to like get people's attention. She's doing the pops so she can be popular and make the money. And then once she's amassed all of that fortune and fame, now I can move on and do what I really want to do. And that's what she did. And I think that that's like, that's like the prototype right there that I think that's what a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I also love that she did it as a complete individual. You know, she didn't really seem to be patterning herself after someone else's previous success. She just found a way to cut through. And the next thing you know, she's like, meeting with presidents and Cindy Lauper about, you know, doing projects together. And I'm like, who the hell is this person? <laughs> you know, she just came out of nowhere and bam, yeah. she's just like everywhere now. And everyone loves her and loves what she stands for. They love that she's an individual. She is mm-hmm. so rock and roll in that if I don't want to do this, I'm not doing it. If I feel like doing this, that's what I'm going to do. And I love yeah. that. You know, I love people that can cut against the grain and get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, me too. Yeah. So I, I I will say I have a much different perspective on poison than I did back in 88. And, and, um, I don't, I, I never really got into their music, but I, I have a different understanding of, you know, as I've grown and been part of the business and understanding how it all came to be. So I do have an appreciation for it there, but let's see how I feel about the music itself, because that yeah. is a separate issue. Uh, the first song on this this album that we're talking about, which is uh, Open Up and Say Ah, which is not, a, you know, I, I'm surprised David Coverdale didn't use that for something in Whitesnake, because that is such a Whitesnake album title. You know, I'm surprised Coverdale didn't sue. He's like, hey, I was thinking of that. Yeah, that's right. Or, or maybe we should do something together. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it seems to fit. Now, the first song uh, on the album, there's 10 tracks on this album. Like John said, it came out in 1988. And uh, the first song is called Love on the Rocks. It is not a Neil Diamond cover. I know you guys might be hoping it was. That would have been interesting. Uh, I kind of want to hear them do that now. (laughs) But here's a little bit of Love on the Rocks. Devil's grin. <laughs> she 
now you drink a cup. A lot of vocal effects on that. I just saw you. I just saw you looking at the screen and just shaking your head, <laughs> wondering what are you thinking. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll save my feelings on this for uh, for a second. Why don't you uh, tell me what you think uh, of this one? I really like this song. I think it's uh, I think it's a great uh, opening song uh, for the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from a um, uh, from a production standpoint, um, I, I think that it's um, it's a little thin. I always thought that this whole album sounded a little thin in comparison to the type of production that I usually like. But the guitar does have a really nice like crunch, a nice bite to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rhythm guitar, um, and um, yeah, just listening back to it, it's it's like even though it's enjoyable, I feel like this is enjoyable like like cotton candy. You know <laughs> what I mean? Right like i i like it when i'm going to the fair but then i don't want to have it every day um mm-hmm. so it's um and i agree like brett michaels is like yeah he's not he's not going to be on that you know top top list of uh vocalists of all time but i mean he 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 does what is required here of the song he's he's good enough for 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 poison and uh yeah he's got a lot of that that slapback reverb is in the uh, on the vocals and the uh, the the drums, even the drums during the intro sounded like that Casio keyboard uh, type of like <laughs> right, yeah, drum beat, and it's it's just like yeah, it's it's nothing, it's nothing great, you know. You're not going to mistake them for the uh, for the for the guys in Deep Purple anytime soon, but uh, musicianship. But um, yeah, I I still think that it's a it's a pretty cool song. I I still enjoy it uh, to this day. I think it's a great album opener. I'll I'll definitely agree with you there. I think it kind of sets the tone for this is going to be a good rock album and it's going to be one that you should pay attention to. You know, we're going to draw you in right off the bat. Uh I think the the balance of instruments is not too bad. The guitar might just be a little bit loud because the vocals are a little too quiet. But part of the reason that they're so quiet is because they are so over affected. I mean, that, mm. that slapback reverb, then they put a delay on top of that. And I don't think his voice needs it. I think he's got a decent sounding voice for this kind of music. I think he's a decent rock singer. I think he would have been a better country singer because he's got a little bit of that that Southern twang to his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm not a fan of the production, but uh, I will say I like the guitar tone. Uh, it's it's heavy. It's crunchy. It's it's really good for this kind of music. They're a four piece band. They don't have any keys, so everything then becomes dependent on the guitar to be the the melodic side of things. Um, the drum sound I hate. I, I, I think it's awful on this song. That snare is just so tight that it it it's like it's trying to be big and fill in the room, but it doesn't. And so that's yeah. kind of a miss for me. Um, but the song, I, I don't know, the song, it, it lacks, uh, for me, it just lacks anything that excites me. It's like, it, it almost feels forced in a way that that it's like, okay, we're going to have our one stop, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. It feels very formulated, I guess. Yeah. And, and so while I think it's a great album opener, I think it sets the tone. Um, like 30 seconds in, I'm like, next. It, it didn't really. But the yeah. guitar solo, I will say the guitar solo in this song is pretty good. It's a little bit bordering on flashy for me. It, I think it overrides the song just a little because it's a very simple song, but uh, but it's not bad. 
Well, I mean, CC Deville uh, definitely. I know like a ton of people rag on him. They were just like he he stinks and uh, he's not that great or whatever. He's he's good. I never like I never hated him. I always thought he was uh, like you just saw that big cotton candy hair, you know, that big teased up white hair or whatever. And he would just like uh, be running around doing his things. He's basically like if you took uh, Ace Fraley or Tony Iommi or CC DeVille, they're basically like doing all the same thing. It's just yeah. your pentatonic blues rock thing. And CC DeVille, like his spin on it was, is that he was using the whammy bar a lot. Uh, he was, he was doing a lot of kind of uh, uh, throwing in some flashier stuff that, I mean, during the day, any guitar player could do. He just, he kind of touched on it a little bit. I like the guitar solo because um, um, even though he like, he really kind of was like, railing on that whammy bar a little bit if you really listen to it a lot of it is that kind of like bluesy pentatonic stuff right yeah um which uh, makes it um i want to say memorable not memorable like one of the most memorable solos of all time but it makes you remember it rather than being like okay that was just a flurry of notes if you really listen mm-hmm. to it it does have like a beginning a middle and an end which i think makes a good uh solo yeah I mean, and um the guy can play there, there's no doubt about him and, and and you're right a lot of people do rag on him i yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think he's a bad player. For me, and, and I'll just say this as a general overview on the solos for the album is I, I feel like some of these solos overplayed the song a little bit. They were like I, I get a little bit of flash, especially with a band like this. I mean, if you're going to wear the makeup and you're going to have the big hair and you're going to be glam, you're going to have some flashy stuff in the music. I would expect that, but it's that the balance of the solo to the song sometimes seems to be a little bit disconnected for me. You know, like when I listen to a guy like Richie Blackmore play a solo, most of the time I feel like he's playing for the song. Mm -hmm. And there are times where I'm like, and I've heard you guys say it on the show and I'm like, yeah, okay. I agree with you. That didn't really fit as well as I once thought it did. Uh, But, but for the most part, he's tuned into the song. And I feel like on some of the solos, CC's like, all right, it's my turn. You know, it, yeah. it just it just feels a little bit uh, that they don't match. Mm-hmm. But I I wouldn't say that make that doesn't mean he has he doesn't have skills or talent because I definitely think he does. Um, but I think there's also that pressure of hey we're a glam band man we gotta when it's your turn to shine you gotta bring it. I feel like yeah. there might have been some of that too because if the producer felt the way that I felt certainly they they wouldn't be on the album. Right. You know, so I think it just kind of played up even more that, you know, that visual representation of the band. So I'm I'm sure it was very well accepted. But for me, just as a, as a music listener, and I've said many times, I'm not a big uh, guy that, that really likes flashy guitar playing. There's a certain level that you get to. And I'm like, all right, that works for me. And then anything over that, I'm like, all right, now you're obnoxious. <laughs> yeah you know and that's why i tend to stick to guys like blackmore and michael shanker and, and steve morris steve rides that line for me a lot of times because he does play a lot of notes sometimes but i feel like he's always within the context of the song like mick box um mm-hmm. but it, it does ride that like if you went like one note further you would have ruined it for me so like rides right. that edge but uh yeah, Slash. I like Slash. Uh, a lot of times I feel like his playing plays for the song. 
Um, but uh, yeah, CC is kind of one of those guys. It's like, okay, he's under. Okay, now he's over. Okay, now he's under. Like he just rides that edge for me. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely one of those guys that I feel is is kind of a one note type of player. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know how else to put it. Um, this is just like um, I don't know. I always picture him playing this type of music, and I don't know if he. I I know he put out a solo album many years ago. I don't know if he's done any other projects, but it's like I I don't think he's ever proved or you know, maybe he's never wanted to prove that he could play any other styles or any other way mm-hmm. um, than this. And I mean, that's also, I guess, what makes him, you know, kind of unique. Um, but um, yeah, that's that's one of the reasons that I don't really listen to him or to Poison too much is there's not really a lot of variety uh, yeah. in his in his playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know, would where, definitely agree you know, with that for sure. You know, whereas... Um, you know, uh, you, you mentioned Richie again, somebody like Richie could do, could do like a classically infused solo blues, uh, the, the, the stuff that he's doing these days, you know, very, yeah. just very, uh, you know, diverse, like any, really any of Deep Purple's guitar players, if we were talking about them, like even Tommy Bolin, who was only around for one album, did so many different styles, you know, and that's why they're interesting. So, yeah. or, or just take Highway Star, where he's using, I think, three completely different modes of guitar playing in, in one solo. Yeah. And it's just ridiculous, you know. Yeah. 